darling, and mix me a martini. There's ice on the sideboard. Ah, it's been a wonderful evening. I wish it could go on forever. Goodbye, darling. And when they find your body, darling, I shall have conveniently left via the fire escape. Now, just to quickly make sure you have no identification on you. Hmm, just as well I looked. Police identification card. Assignments unlimited. Address 33 Half Moon Street. The girl in the Ascot hat. We haven't seen him for two days. Not a very long time, you might think, but it's a hard and fast rule at Assignments Unlimited that operators report in every 24 hours. He hadn't been home, and his landlady confirmed that his bed had not been slept in. I asked Crash Carson to check his filing cabinet for a clue, because I knew he was on an assignment. It was ominous that Carson drew a blank. Chief, for a meticulous man, this file reads like a lovesick teenager. He's been tailing somebody for the past six weeks, a wayward husband. The wife employed him and paid weekly in cash, but listen to this. Previous docket detail destroyed. Nancy wishes to have the whole thing as secret as possible. I can surely grant her such a small request. Oh, but that's against the rules. Uh, when an operator starts calling a female client by a Christian name, rules usually fall by the wayside. You said he was telling the husband. Well, look up his name and, well, you've got hers. Yeah, that's right. And that makes her name Nancy X. Is that how you refer to the man? Listen, kept the tail on X today as usual. Same social round, but nothing incriminating. X is playing it cool, but he'll make a slip soon. I feel sure of it and hope so for Nancy's sake. Yeah, well, I've already checked on the fees. He's paid them in regularly every week. Yeah, I know. I checked, too. Every Saturday morning, except last Saturday morning. Did he report to the office on Friday, Chief? At 10 a.m. And nothing from him since? Not a word. Well, maybe he took off for a long weekend with this Nancy doll. Oh, he'd have reported first. He always has in the past. Chief, you're worried. Well, now I've seen the file I am. you better ring the police, Carson, and report him missing. I did like the chief said, and having done it, I just sat back and waited. There wasn't anything else to do. The file gave no name of client and referred to the trailee as X. No lead, no clue, nothing. It was the X that had me guessing, and I'm a dud at crossword puzzles. They didn't take the cops long. They rang back in under an hour. Carson, assignment's unlimited. Mr. Carson, we found your missing employee. Oh, you have? That's dandy. I must ask you to come straight over and identify him. You mean you got him with you? Yes, sir. Okay, I'll be right over. Where are you speaking from? The city mortuary. Outside, the street was full of stiff-necked actors. Inside, it was full of just stiffs. 
The marble floor of the mortuary was cold and echoed the footsteps of the curious, the cautious, and those to whom calamity had come suddenly. Inspector Bottomley of the murder squad was there as the attendant pulled open the drawer and flung back the sheet. But for the grisly pallor of death, he could have been sleeping. There wasn't a mark on him, just a look of utter astonishment. The kind of gopher might get who hold in one. We turned him over and I regretted the mental simile. There were two bullet holes drilled neatly into the center of his back. Well, what's the story, Inspector? We picked him up in the restroom and office suite in Chamberlain Buildings. It's a good business address on Sloan Street. He copped it late on Friday night, and we got there in 15 minutes. Office block? I know what you're thinking. Who'd work in an office block on a Friday night? Well, we were lucky there. A firm of chartered accountants were working overtime. They heard the shots and rang Scotland Yard. The bird had flown, of course, via the fire escape. She'd left the window open and made no attempt to cover her tracks, which would indicate that it was a crime of passion executed in a moment of stress. Uh, you said she? Yes. We've arrested a Mrs. Nancy Sloanes and charged her with the murder. Nancy, huh? Yeah. Does the name mean anything to you? He was an operator from Assignments Unlimited. His file's in the office. I'll get it over to you at the yard. Doesn't say much, but it does mention the name Nancy. He was employed to tail her husband. Mr. Edwin Sloan. Well, the file refers to him as X, but I guess it must be the same guy. You work fast to get onto her. We found a note addressed to her in his pocket, and uh, an amorous note. The suite of offices is rented by her husband. It was pretty cut and dried, Mr. Carson. Uh, see, it's just occurred to me. When you searched his pockets, didn't you find his identity docket? All operators from our outfit carry police identity cards. There was nothing on him except this note. Nothing to tell who he is, or was. He was listed unknown until you rang. Oh, he must have been goofy about this dame to forget his identity, Duncan. What does Nancy Sloan's have to say? Hmm. Denies all knowledge of it, of course. For both the caretaker and the accountant remember seeing a woman answering to her description entering the building every Friday night for the past six weeks. Now, that checks. His file states that he reported to her weekly on Friday nights. Uh, queer twist, isn't it? The investigator in the matrimonial case falling in love with the client... It must have been bad enough for Edmund Sloan's to discover that his wife had been having him watched, and then to be told his wife was having a torrid love affair with the very man who was watching him. I know this operator very well. If he was having an affair, it wouldn't be torrid. I'll, uh, I'll show you the love note. Oh, yeah, the love note. I suppose there's no chance for error, like the wife covering up for the outraged husband? No, none at all, I'm afraid. Yeah. Only he and this woman entered the office block on Friday night, and the husband, anyway, was at a party with friends until three on Saturday morning. I just asked. And Mrs. Sloan's was a smart dresser, by the way. Had a penchant for those big floppy hats. Ascot hats, I believe they're called. They were described by the witnesses, together with other garments she wore on various Friday nights, and we found the exact clothing in her wardrobe. Like you said, it's open and shut. There'll be an identity parade tomorrow. If you'd care to come along, you'll be more than welcome. Thanks, I'd like to. I'll just show your card to the constable on duty. You'll see Mrs. Sloan's then. We'll dress her in her own clothes, those she wore on Friday, and ask the accountant and the caretaker to save, well, if it's the same woman they saw. Where is she now? Holloway. I'd like to visit her in the prison today. Yeah, I can arrange it, provided you haven't any silly notions of revenge. No, I'll leave the revenge to the judge. <laughs> Very well. Now call by my office after lunch, and I'll have a 274 made out to admit you. Uh, sorry about your friend. Not half as sorry as he is. Holloway 
prison is a grim monument of feminine folly. I'd been there before years ago, when the inmates shuffled aimlessly to and fro in the cross-cloth uniform that was meant to exact penitence. But times have changed, and the accent today is on rehabilitation, so that floral dresses and a dash of lipstick has transformed the atmosphere into something resembling an all-women university campus. And that's one of the things the university does. Turns precocious adolescents into responsible citizens. I was shown to Mrs. Nancy Sloan's cell. There were curtains in the window, and a religious picture on the wall. Mrs. Sloan was on her feet to greet me. I mentioned that because I saw her through the bars before we went in, and she was standing on her head in the middle of the cell. I thought that maybe also she was crazy, but when she looked at me, I knew that she was very sane and also very beautiful. Matron said you were coming. Mr. Carson, isn't it? Ah, uh, yes. You're Nancy Sloan's? I am. You, uh, you always stand on your head like that? <laughs> Not always. Just half an hour every day. I'm a yoga. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that. Uh, please sit down on the chair. I'll use the bed. Thank you. <sighs> Matron said you're a friend of that unfortunate man. Well, that's right, and now that I've seen you, I realize just how unfortunate he was. I didn't know him. I've never met him. But then, like the police, you'll have difficulty believing that. To be blunt, I don't believe it. Then that's your misfortune, Mr. Carson. For a woman who will shortly have a date with justice, you seem to be awful cheerful. I have an Englishwoman's complete faith in British justice. I didn't kill him. And in the fullness of time, the police will know that I didn't kill him. You'd better try another exercise. That yoga's gone to your head. Why did you come, Mr. Carson? To see you. Just morbid curiosity? He kept a file... It mentioned your name, Nancy. It doesn't need a marriage counselor to prove that he had no intention of letting you go back to your husband. He was in love with you. And if he couldn't get grounds on your husband, it's an even bet he'd have given your husband grounds to divorce you. Well, that would have made Edwin very happy. For the past two years, he's done everything a man can to make me divorce him. Even to the point of lodging evidence of his infidelity with my own lawyer. Why didn't you divorce him? Oh, I don't know. Pride, I suppose. That and the fact that the other woman is my own cousin. It's sordid to have a relation steal your husband. I get it. Just as he'd go to any lengths to get a divorce, you go to any lengths to stop him. That's Inspector Bottomley's line of reasoning. He says that I'm supposed to have engaged your friend to keep a watch on my husband, presumably to gather evidence for a divorce. Well, that's what the file says. Am I supposed to have known your friend before I decided to engage his services? Oh, Bottomley says not. And that would figure... I knew this operator pretty well, and if he'd known you six weeks and more ago, I'd have known about it, too. You wouldn't be an easy person to forget, Mrs. Sloans. Thank you. Well, then, since my lawyer has all the evidence I could possibly want for a divorce, it seems rather pointless to engage your friend to discover more. Now, the report on file shows your husband to be blameless over the past six weeks. Then if you'll forgive me for saying your friend was either grossly incompetent, a fool, or was engaged for some quite different purpose... He was a meticulous guy. He wouldn't fabricate a story in his file. What did you say the name of your lawyers was? I didn't, but they're Castlemere and Brown at Lincoln's Inn. Mr. Castlemere himself handles all my affairs. Why do you ask? Would you mind if uh, I did a little investigating of my own? I'd welcome it. But I ask again, why? Uh, there, there's something screwy about this case. You're, you're just too beautiful. Maybe that's it. Given the slightest encouragement, any man would fall in love with you. That much I can understand. But I just don't see you shooting anyone in the back. It's very flattering. 
But you must remember to the male spider, the female is also beautiful. Uh, what's a spider got to do with it? Do you know what the female does to the male after he's made love to her? I'll buy it. She eats him, Mr. Carson. Carson left Holloway Prison, his mind a confusion of thoughts. He went straight to Lincoln's Inn and the offices of Messrs. Castlemere and Brun. One glance at its prim and austere interior decided for Carson that here was a house of impeccable honesty. It gave him a comforting feeling as he was ushered into the presence of Mr. Castlemere, a benign old gentleman with snow-white hair and a ruddy complexion. Come right in, Mr. Carson. Take an easy chair and make yourself comfortable. Thank you, sir. You've uh, come about Miss Nancy. She telephoned. Are you allowed a telephone in Holloway Prison? Oh, naturally. Miss Nancy has been formally charged, but in England a person is innocent until proven otherwise. Do you think she's innocent? Well, that goes without saying, doesn't it? <laughs> I'm her defending counsel, and I would never take on the task if I believed her guilty. Not even when her family have been clients of yours for years? Not even if it were my own child. Now, I'll just get the fire. Uh, that won't be necessary, Mr. Castlemere. I, I simply wanted to ask you a few questions, if you'd be kind enough to answer them. If I'm able to give a truthful answer, then I will. Uh, thank you, sir. Um, tell me about her husband, Edwin Sloans. A mean and avaricious fellow. Uh, she was a fool to marry him, and I told her so. But he has a great deal of charm for the opposite sex, and I fear he turned the poor girl's head. He never loved her, of course. She's a very beautiful woman. Very. That wouldn't interest Sloanes, except as a passing fancy. He thought she was heiress to a considerable fortune. And she wasn't. Her father died a few years ago. He left her the house and a small annuity, and that's all. And so, Boyo starts looking around for something better. Financially better, yes. He's latched onto a Miss Nancy's cousin, an empty-headed good-time society girl, with a fat bank balance deposited by her indulgent father. I, uh, I think you don't like her very much. I like the way her father made the money even less. However, to continue, Sloanes has left in his office all the evidence required for a quick divorce. He flaunts his women in front of his wife, but unfortunately for him, Miss Nancy has a virtue that isn't in Sloanes' vocabulary. Character. She's flatly refused to give him a divorce. There again, I don't agree with her. She'd be well rid of him, but sometimes there's no fathoming of the female mind. Has it occurred to you, Mr. Castlemere, that the tables are now turned? Sloanes has all the evidence he needs to divorce her. Naturally. It's occurred to Sloanes, too. I have a letter here from his attorney setting out the details of his proposed action. Already? But this business only happened on Friday. Sloanes is an impetuous man, Mr. Carson, quite without feeling for anyone except himself. Now, uh, what else would you like to know? Uh, that's all, I guess. Uh, may I indulge in the small liberty of asking if you think she's guilty? Oh, sure you can. I don't think she's guilty. In fact, I'm certain that she's innocent. presence of that kindly old man, I would have been happy to agree that there was no evil at all in the world. But on the pavement as I walked home, the old doubts about Nancy Sloan's came creeping back. 
like that female spider webbing her way hungrily towards her mate. The following day, I arrived at Scotland Yard, produced my police card, and was shown into a small drab room that housed a few deal chairs and a glassed-in stage. It was on this stage that I was soon to get my second look at Nancy Sloan's. She would parade in the dress and ascot hat that she allegedly wore on Friday night. Inspector Bottomley was already there, and when I arrived, he was in conversation with two men, whom I correctly deduced to be the accountant and caretaker, respectively. Bottomley greeted me as affably as always. Ah, oh, take a few, Mr. Carson. Thanks. Um, over here, come oh, on. Okay. The law says I may not introduce you to the witnesses until the parade is over. You think I might influence them? Uh, we take no chances. The accused is innocent until proved guilty. It seems I've heard that before. Is Nancy here? Nancy? Uh, Mrs. Sloan's. Oh, I know who you mean. I was just surprised at the use of her Christian name. After all, you've only met her once, haven't you? Yes, and don't lay it on. It was a slip of the tongue. Ah, you've been thinking a lot about her, haven't you? But then she's a most attractive woman. Physically, that is. What's that supposed to mean? I'll be frank with you, Carson. I expect this identity parade to be no more than a formality. They'll both swear it was her in the office block on Friday. That's what I think. What does she say she was doing every Friday night for the past six weeks? Practicing yoga in private at home. The servants, they must have seen her. Yeah, you really have got it bad. There are no servants. Her allowance doesn't run to it. Yeah, yeah, I heard that too. Yeah. Right, shall we begin? Okay, sure. All right, Constable. Bring them on. Thank you. Well, gentlemen, which is the woman you saw on Friday night? Second from the right. The second one. No doubt about it. Sorry, Carson. I could only think of the hat. At first I saw only her, a proud, lovely woman, walking with a firm step across that boarded stage, her shoes clacking a rhythm in the groove hollowed by a thousand felons' feet as they'd shuffled the walk down half a century. But then the witnesses had spoken up, and now only the hat remained. A ridiculous memory of floppy purple, half concealing her face like the plumed helm of Navarre. I don't remember saying goodbye to Bonamy. I don't remember what prompted me to visit Edwin Sloan's. But there I was in his Hartford house talking to him, hating him, and knowing all the time that my hate was illogical. You wasted no time in presenting your case to attorney. Are you being impertinent? Uh, I guess I was at that. I apologize. The man was my friend. Somehow you never think it can happen to a friend. I guess I mixed up some. I can understand. It's been a tragedy for me. To be spied on is bad enough. To be cuckolded is the last humiliation. She might pay for it with her life. You may think me callous, but I can shed no tears for her. The inspector showed me the little love note in that fellow's pocket. She's, she's a beautiful woman. What excuse is that? Anyway, her cousin is just as beautiful, and we're leaving tomorrow for Bournemouth for a few days to forget. And if you're wondering about my scruples, forget it. After that note they found on the body of your friend, there can be no doubt about the kind of woman she was. Not only the note. I handed over his work file to the police. There's a wealth of detail in that. They sure whipped it up every Friday night for the past six weeks. That's a lie. But you know it's the truth. Nothing went on between them in my offices. And if you say otherwise, you're a liar. All right, take it easy, Sloans. What does the venue matter? Nothing happened in my offices on those Friday nights, I tell you. Now, please get out of my house and don't ever come here again. He glowered at me like a man demented, his face mottled with boiling anger. 
He accepted an unfaithful wife, but not on his office premises. That didn't add up. He tried everything to get rid of his wife. How could he be even remotely jealous? Everything. The words sprung out like a scarlet billboard. Everything except one thing. I recoiled in horror at the thought. But I knew in my heart that what I was thinking was the ghastly truth. My mind chased back over our conversation, unscrambling the jumble of words. He'd said, Nothing went on between them in my offices. And if you say otherwise, you're a liar. That could mean only one thing. He was jealous of whoever was in that room Friday nights. And he wasn't jealous of his wife. He hated her. What else was it, he said? Her cousin is just as beautiful. And we're leaving tomorrow for Bournemouth for a few days to forget. A few days. For a few days, the house would be empty. It was my only chance. Her only chance. From a nearby thicket, I watched them leave. I entered the house at midnight. After two hours searching, I found it. Charred embers in the combustion stove were proof that most of the clothing had already been destroyed. But this was intact. Perfect as the day it was made. A great, floppy, purple creation that any milliner would tell you was an Ascot hat. Sloan's had all his wife's town clothes duplicated and all of her hats. He used a different dressmaker and milliner, both of whom were able to testify at his trial. Nancy Sloan's cousin was very much like her and exactly the same build. It was she who engaged the operator from Assignments Unlimited using the name Nancy Sloan's. It was she who attended those Friday night meetings at the offices, dressed in the same clothes and the same big floppy hats that her cousin Nancy wore. Both knew that the caretaker had never met the real Mrs. Sloan's, and that on an identity parade, he would swear that it was the real Mrs. Sloan's he'd seen. The Ascot hat that half concealed her face clinched it. And it very nearly worked, too, except that the man she engaged really fell in love with her. It must have been interesting watching him, knowing that she was eventually going to kill him, just like the female spider. He loved her, but she murdered him in cold blood. You know, it's a... It's a terrible story, Carson. Will Nancy Sloan's now see the judge about a divorce? She doesn't need to now, Chief. Justice will do it for free. Mm -hmm. 